Why do you need to hear this particular message today? I'll never forget what happened at this church about the, a year after we began. This was the summer of 2006. And we were just getting started. We were meeting in a school. And it was um, a tragic accident took place that kind of threw um, one of our elders in our church and uh, his son. Um, it affected us, and um, we responded to it. What happened was, is out on the lake, uh, a father and a son were on their boat, and they were coming back at night, and they um, hit another boat. Another, they struck another boat. The teenage boy was in the cabin sleeping, and unfortunately, he passed away. He did not make it through the accident. So this family was uh, crushed. And our elder, um, this, church, this family didn't go to church. They didn't have a church home. So he kind of acted as if a, as a pastor would, and he went to their house, and he wanted to minister to them and, 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 and you know, just be there for them. When he got to the house, the mother immediately pulled him aside And what was troubling her terribly, she pressed upon him this question, where's my son? Where is my son right now? And it was, how do you answer that question? Because this family didn't go to church. They didn't show any type of faith in God or in Jesus. How do you respond to that when you see someone in so much grief heartbroken, they've lost their son. I've done a lot of funerals, and the hard ones are when the person didn't profess any faith in Jesus Christ. Um, I feel oftentimes I'm, I'm sort of sidestepping the, the, the issue in, in trying to focus on the family and remembering the person, but It can also be really painful if you know the person that you're at the funeral for and you didn't take the time, perhaps, to share your faith with them, to offer to them the good news about Jesus. I think that's why it's so important today that you hear this message, but you don't just hear it. I really need you to take action. I really need you to think about this message and then take action. You see, Jesus called us all to go and make disciples. Boy, you've heard that a a thousand times probably if you've been in church, right? Go and make disciples. But how do we do that? Because that's not just up to the professionals. (laughs) That's not just my job. It's all of our jobs to go and make disciples. And I believe that when we go and make disciples, it begins with this one thing we need to pray for. It begins with, praying for spiritual healing, praying for a person's salvation. When we pray with faith, we move people into the presence of God. That's the goal of praying with faith. We we move people into the presence of God. And when we pray for ourselves, we pray for the boldness to open our mouth and share our faith, tell our story, tell his story. Because in Romans it says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. How beautiful it is when you hear good news. I believe God is calling us all to pray with faith, but to also share our faith. Because when you explain God's word, when you preach it, 
or teach it or just tell your story that it has to do with God being the hero, Jesus being the hero. When you explain the word, the Holy Spirit moves. The Holy Spirit moves. The Holy Spirit uses your words to bring someone to salvation. That's what it says in Romans. Faith comes from hearing God's word. Faith comes from hearing the word. And then all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I think that's what we need to be praying for most. I think it's the most important prayer we can pray. And oftentimes we don't pray for other people's salvation. We don't pray for other people's spiritual healing. We pray for physical healing. Look at your programs. In there is a half sheet of paper and it's loaded with prayer requests. And almost 90% of those are for physical healing. Are they not? We do that. But do we pray for spiritual healing? Do we pray for salvation? So I want you to see today, this is the truth that God has for us in his word. This is the truth, that spiritual healing is what we need to be praying for most of all. And we're going to see in the Gospels that Jesus emphasized spiritual healing over physical healing. This is the truth that we have in the word today. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you that I have this opportunity to preach your word. And I pray for those listening today that if you would speak to their hearts, if they hear from you today, God, they would respond. They would worship you. They would bow down to you. They would surrender their life to you. And that you would bring peace into their life. Father, I know that you have, you, you, you have this amazing ability to bring peace into our chaotic lives our lives that are filled with anxiety and worry and frustration and and just all kinds of negative things. But God, you you can fix that. You can help us. I pray that you will today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So in Mark chapter 2 is where we're going to be. And we're going to go through verses 1 through 12 in just a little bit here. So if you have your Bible with you, if you'd like a free Bible, we have them on the back table there. You can take a free Bible. It's uh, even large print. Um, we, we upgraded since the last time we bought Bibles. We got the largest print possible. And so there's the Bible on the back uh, for you um, to, uh, to take home, to have, please. Um, we want you to have um, God's Word. So I'm going through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, for the next year and a half. We're about, actually, we're one-third of the way there. You know, we've gone through a half a year. So um, we're in um, the second year of Jesus' ministry. He had a three-and-a-half-year ministry. And in the second year, Jesus became very popular. He became very popular because he was an amazing teacher. Amazing teacher. If you've, you might have noticed, you might have been to um, a church, or, or um, you know, you can, you know, sometimes um, amazing um, Bible teachers will have um, t- television shows, radio programs, but when someone is an amazing Bible teacher, um, they draw a crowd. And Jesus was an amazing teacher. He taught the Sermon on the Mount. There were tons of people there. They followed him around because what they could tell, what he was saying was like no other. So he had a great following. He was becoming very popular. But then he also did a lot of healings. Right? He healed people that were blind, he healed people that couldn't walk, he, he healed people. So we see that in Matthew 5 through 9, we see all of that. And so Jesus has become really, really popular in the second year. That would have continued, by the way, but Jesus 
was following God's plan. And, of course, that plan ended on the cross where Jesus died for your sins. So, but in the second year, here's the kind of the, the, the height of his, his fame, if you will. And I wanted to preach this particular message back on March 28th. And I didn't because our family got quarantined, as many of us have been quarantined. And so I, prayed on, or I preached on March 21st, praying with faith for physical healing. And you can always see our messages on our YouTube channel, on our website. But um, this message is sort of a sequel, if you will. Um, that's why I call it Praying for Spiritual Healing. So I just want to take you back to March 21st when I gave you this analogy, this illustration, if you will, in which I told you that I have the power to heal a lamp. I had to give a dramatic pause there. I, had the, I have the power to heal a lamp, okay? This lamp here. See, this lamp right now currently is broken. It doesn't work. You can hear the clicking, right? So this is an analogy, okay? I'm only taking it so far, so hang in there with me. Uh, it doesn't work. But how do I heal the lamp I taught you last time? I heal it um, with my faith? No. Like, my faith, I can touch the end of the plug and nothing happens, right? I mean, it's, it's not fixing it. My faith is not healing this lamp. But my faith moves the lamp into place, and it plugs it into the power source. The power source, right, the plug, that's God, right? And that's ultimately what heals the lamp. My faith matters. It moved the lamp into the place. That's the role of faith when you pray. You move the, the thing that needs prayer, the person that needs prayer, you move it into uh, the presence of the healer. So throughout the Gospels, when you hear Jesus say, when you read in your Bible and it says that your faith has made you well, when Jesus says that, what he means by that is that your faith has brought you to the one who can heal you. That's what faith does. That's the role of faith. The healing, then, is really up to God. It really is. And that's why I call this little switch the God's will switch. Is it God's will to heal? Sometimes it's God's will to wait. And we get impatient. So we try to, come on, God, you can do it. Come on. But sometimes God just doesn't heal even physically, in this life. And so sometimes we feel like it's sort of a mystery as to what God's will is, but it doesn't have to be a mystery. You see, there's a couple verses in 1 John that I want to take you to that talk about God's will. 1 John 5, 14 and verse 15. Now, there's a lot of people who like verse 15, but ignore verse 14. So verse 14, it says this. This is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, I underline that because that's the really important part, according to his will, he hears us. 
If we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we asked of him. So there's a lot of people that love verse 15 because they just dial in on that. If we know he hears us, God, I'm speaking loudly for you. You can hear me now. This is what I want. This is what I'm asking for. Then we know we have the request that we asked of him. But what does it say in verse 14? According to his will. According to his will. It was about 45 years ago that Joni Erickson Tada, have you ever heard that name before? Joni Erickson Tada was, became a quadriplegia. There was an accident and she became paralyzed, confined to a wheelchair. She prayed and she fully believed that God was going to heal her body physically. In her words, she said, I certainly believed. I was calling up my girlfriend saying, the next time you see me, I'm going to be running up your sidewalk. God's going to heal me. Her words. Yet Joni is still in a wheelchair today. But her perspective, after all those years, is one of great faith. She said, God may remove your suffering. And that will be great cause for praise. But if not, he will use it. He will use anything and everything that stands in the way of his fellowship with you. So let God mold you and make you and transform you from glory to glory. Because that's the deeper healing. That's spoken from the words of someone who has been in a wheelchair for 45 plus years. Two things I think we can learn from Joni. One is that spiritual healing is more important than the physical healing. It's the deeper healing in her words. God wants you to be more like his son, Jesus Christ. He made you in his image. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. So he wants to change you. He wants to make you better. The second thing, though, from Joni that we learn is that your prayer requests should always be according to his will. According to his will. This morning, I opened up my devotion, which is emailed to my phone. Pastor Ray Stedman shared this devotion, and don't you know it, God is always at work, and his timing is perfect. Do you know that? This morning, the devotion was 1 John 5.14. So I read it, and the analogy that Pastor Ray shared was a really good one. This is going back a ways, but how many of you remember the Sears and Roebuck catalog? All right. If you don't know what I'm talking about, okay, um, it actually all began in 1888. I had to look this up. I didn't know this. In 1888, they started with a printed mailer, and then it grew into this really big, thick catalog that ended up on many people's coffee table. And it stopped in 1993. But I remember as a kid that I could take that Sears and Roebuck catalog and I could open it up and I could look through it and if I found something that I liked, I was supposed to circle it and then dog ear the page. Anybody else do that? And here's the thing. 
if my mom saw it, or my grandmother saw that that's something I wanted, and it was in the catalog, they could get it for me. But if I wanted something that wasn't in the catalog, how can they get it for me? They couldn't. It's not in the catalog. You see, when you pray, the Bible is the catalog. If you're asking for something that's not in the Bible, guess what? You're not going to get it. Ain't nobody going to get it. It's not in there. It's not God's will. So what is in the Bible? God's promises for you. God's promises. And when you pray and ask, the other confirmation that you know that it is God's will is the Holy Spirit giving you peace. You pray for something, you ask, and God brings a peace over you and says, yes, this is something that I'm going to give you. Then you know. You will have it because it's according to God's will. Let me tell you a promise that is in God's word. It's Romans 10.9. Romans 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will go to heaven. That's a promise that God has. All who call in the name of the Lord will be saved. But how do they hear that? Unless you share your faith with them. Unless you tell them about the good news. Unless you share your faith. God wants to answer your prayer for spiritual healing. If you're praying for someone to be saved, to know Jesus, to get away from, uh, to, to stop living that life that makes them so unhappy every day, day in and day out. If you're praying for them to know the Lord and you are willing to share your faith, God wants to answer that prayer, I believe. That's a promise. Let's see what Jesus says about physical and spiritual healing. We're in Mark 2, as I said earlier, and it's verses 1 through 12. I'm going to walk you through it verse by verse as we do in this church. We teach the Bible verse by verse. Verse 1 of chapter 2, when he returned, Jesus returned to Capernaum. That's where he was living. Remember, he left Nazareth to start his ministry. He went down to Capernaum. Capernaum was by the Sea of Galilee. So he's in Capernaum. That's kind of close to where the, 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 the other 12 boys were, the disciples. And um, he was um, back there, and it was reported he was at home, whatever home that was. Many were gathered, so many were gathered, in fact, verse 2, that there was no more room, not even at the door. So picture your house, you know, and, and some of you have a, sort of a, um, a foyer, if you will, they call it, you know, where the door is. I mean, they were standing room only in this house. It was packed out. There was no, you couldn't even open the door. People were pressed up against it. They were everywhere in this house, and they were listening because he was preaching the word to them. And then they came, verse 3. Who is it that came? Four men bringing a paralytic, a paralyzed man. He could not walk on his own, and they carried this man to the house. The only problem was they couldn't get in the door. So what are they going to do? They're going to go mission impossible. They're going to the roof. And they open up the roof. 
all right? They take away the, the, the roof that was there and not shingles like we have today, all right? But they, they take away the roof and they lower the man down right over or right next to Jesus. Of course, this is going to, everybody's going to stop what they're doing and they're going to look what, what's going on. And this man is lowered down and I want you to see the determination of these four men. I want you to see the faith of these four men. Think about it. What did their faith do? Their faith carried the man from a long ways away to the house. Their faith tore the roof off to move that man that they cared about into place. What does faith do? It moves you, it moves the prayer to the one who can do something about it. Their faith moved their friend in the presence of Jesus. That's the role of faith. It moves the need to the one who can succeed. It plugs it into the power source. James said, faith without deeds is dead. It's not faith. It requires action. So here's their faith. Jesus saw their faith, verse 5, and he said to this paralytic, not what they expected to hear. You know what they wanted to hear? You're healed. Get up, walk, go run a marathon, enjoy your life. Have a happy life on this earth. Jesus didn't say that, though. What did Jesus say? He said, your sins are forgiven. Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I thought about that for a minute. I had to pause when I was reading that that passage, and I I thought, how would I respond to that? How would you respond to that? Because what do you really want? You really want physical healing. You want the pain to go away, right? You know someone that can't walk? Maybe you're having trouble walking. Maybe you have cancer, or you know someone that has cancer, or chronic back pain, or depression, or anxiety that seems to never end. And you're praying and praying, and you're asking for physical healing or mental healing, and all you hear from God is, your sins are forgiven. i got to believe some people would be like, yeah, I'm not. Wait till I'm older and closer to dying, I'll worry about my sins, Okay. I I need to heal right now. I need to live life right now. But you see what Jesus is doing here? He's showing what's really, really important. What's most important, right, is that we are healed spiritually. Right? Besides, when you get really, really old, you forget most things, so you wouldn't remember your sins anymore. So you need to deal with them right now. I'm just kidding, all right? Don't, don't. I forget a lot these days. So I, but I believe Jesus is teaching us that spiritual healing is more important than physical healing. They came for the miracle on earth, right? They, became, they came for the miracle to walk on this earth, but the real miracle is that Jesus can help you walk into heaven. That's really what it comes down to. But Jesus also says this to prove that he is the Son of God, that he is divine. Because this is what Jesus says next. Some of the scribes were sitting there 
questioning in their hearts. Now, scribes, all right, they're, they're really smart guys, okay? They, their job is to um, copy the Bible, the, 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 te- the Old Testament. They would copy it. They, they knew the Word of God. They were smart people. And they were questioning in their hearts, right? You know how those smart guys get smart girls. They just start thinking about stuff, and they're processing this, and they're questioning in their hearts, and uh, why does this man speak like that? And then they think, you know, he's blaspheming. He's saying he's God. Who can forgive sins but God alone? You're just a man, Jesus. You can't forgive sins. Only God can do that. But immediately, verse 8, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they were questioning within themselves, says, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Now, this isn't a difficult question. In fact, it's rhetorical because he's about to answer it. All right? But think about it for a minute. Which is easier? To say to someone, your sins are forgiven, which requires no proof, by the way, or to say, you can walk again. Proof is required because you've got to stand up and walk. So which is harder Kind of an easy answer, really. It's harder to say, you know, you can walk again. But Jesus says this about his sins. So then it says, but that you may know, verse 10, Jesus says, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He does both. He says to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And this man rose and walked, maybe for the first time in his life, or since whatever accident he had that caused him to be paralyzed, he picked up his bed, he went out before them all, and they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. You bet you're behind you've never seen anything like that. Jesus healed this man physically and spiritually. That proved he was the Son of God. That proved his divinity. And he taught at that same time, I believe, that spiritual healing is more important than physical healing. So let's say that the truth of God's word has convinced you. I chose my words carefully there because I don't convince you. I'm really not that convincing. Okay? God's word convinces you. The truth convinces you. That's what I trust in, the Word of God. So you're now convinced, okay, spiritual healing is more important than physical healing. I'm not going to stop praying for physical healing. Neither am I. I know you're not. I'm not asking you to to stop praying for physical healing. I still want to see people healed physically, and I believe God will, will do it. Sometimes he will, and sometimes he won't, and he has his reasons for that. But I believe we should always be praying for spiritual healing, and sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes we neglect that. But some of you haven't. Some of you have been praying for spiritual healing. You've been praying for the salvation of people you care about and love, and you've been doing that for years and years and years. And what do you do when your your prayers haven't been answered? What do you do when you know that salvation is a promise of God, it's in his word, and yet that person you're praying for doesn't seem to want to be saved? 
They don't want anything to do. They don't come to you, come with you to church. They're 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 fine, kind of with how their life is going. They they got their little way of doing things, and and they like Sunday mornings to to get caught up on the chores and drink extra coffee and do other things, go on the boat, whatever. What do you do? Well, don't let that discourage you from praying for them. Please don't let that discourage you. Because many come to Christ, even at the last hour. The thief on the cross turned to Jesus and believed. So don't let that discourage you. Don't give up. When you ask the church to pray with you, for those that don't know Christ, will we stop praying for you? Never. Until they come to Christ. We won't. We will pray without ceasing with you. Those prayer requests continue in, in our bulletin so that you can see them. Only when it's answered will we stop praying. And here's the thing. We don't just pray. We also pray and take action. My prayer is always that we can share our faith, that we can do something about it. Sometimes circumstances bring people to church. I love it when there's always new people coming to Life of Purpose. I love it. Because it shows me that God's at work. Circumstances in people's life bring them to church oftentimes. Lots of times over the years. It's very common. People come to church don't know what's going on in, in, in their lives often at first, but eventually if they, they stick around and they keep coming, they begin to share and they begin to realize why we're here. And this is a good place to find a church because we're here to help you get closer to God, understand the Bible, and love one another. There's genuine people here that really truly care about other people, and that's why we've been doing this for now 16 years. I mean, this is... This is a good thing. So people come for circumstances that happen in life. They often show up, and sometimes they come for a minute, a season, whatever, and then we don't see them again, but sometimes they stay and truly get plugged in and bear fruit, which is wonderful. But that's just sometimes. Sometimes people come to church. They come to Jesus. But more times than sometimes, we have to take Jesus to them we got to bring the church to them. More times than not, we have to um, go to that person and be willing to share our faith. And really, honestly, people don't care what you know until they know what you care, right? You've heard that before? They don't care what you know. They don't really care about your story until they know you care about their story. So you've ever heard of three-story evangelism? It's just a way of saying three stories. Listen to their story. And then share your story, but then share his story. And it, it works. It, there's lots of ways that we can share our faith. Um, we don't have to have all the, the perfect words. But I can just tell you that when you ask me to pray for someone you know that needs Christ, that needs to believe, my prayer oftentimes is that someone will walk alongside them. That's my prayer. It's a prayer of action. It's like, who will walk alongside them? What person will go alongside them and hear their story and talk to them? Faith carries people who won't walk to God themselves. There's some people that aren't going to come in this church on Sunday morning at 11 
That, that's going to happen a long time after we go to them. Think about it. Will you be one of those four men that carried the paralytic to Jesus? Will you walk alongside them? Those are they're people that, that are skeptical about God. They're, they're, they don't think they need God. They're ignorant of God's love. Will you take Jesus to them? That's what I'm asking you to do. Because I don't want to have that conversation with the family that loses someone they care about because we didn't take the time to share our faith with them. I want to pray with faith, and I want to take action. So I have a challenge for you as I finish up this morning. My challenge is that you would find or, or, or pray for three people that you know that need Jesus. They need salvation. They need to know God. They need God in their life. Three people. Now you may, boom, 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 you may have them in your head right now. It's three people you've been praying for. Maybe there's two and you're going to add one. You know, but pray, write down those names and pray for those people every day. Picture them spiritually paralyzed. Like they're not coming to God on their own. So you go to them. Pray for the opportunity to share your faith with them. Pray that their eyes will be opened and they will see the truth so the truth can set them free. You don't have to know all the answers to their questions. I'm sure some of you are a little... A little bit nervous about that. Well, what if they ask me about this? Or what if they, don't worry about that, okay? You just need to carry them to Jesus, all right? God will walk. You'll learn as you go. Will you do that? Will you write down the names of three people and pray for them? If you will, say amen.